0: Bokratov Shalom Aleichem everybody. Welcome to the Aliyah Day, Hag Sameach Hanukkah. It's the second day of Hanukkah. Hope everybody is having a good holiday so far and drawing near to Hashem and understanding uh, some of the insights of, of Hanukkah and uh, just being blessed by all of that. So it's a blessing to be with you it's been fun to have uh our Hanukkah lighting's broadcast we try to do that as as best we can each night just to have everybody with us to light it's it's always fun to do that so brukashem glad you're a part of it we are in parashah Mikets. today is the third Aliyah of our parashah so we're looking at that looking also at some other insights we didn't get a chance to uh peruse uh, yesterday, and uh, looking at this uh, elevation of of uh, of Joseph from the pits of the dungeon, and today's aliyah deals with him becoming the viceroy. So we'll be looking at a couple of insights about that. Uh, before I begin, let me say we're having a special fundraiser for uh, to support or give give some snakha to. A uh, orphanage in Beersheba. I spoke on Sunday with Avi Mishan, who uh, was traveling to Beersheba to deliver some gifts to the orphanage there. And he sent me some pictures, which I'll actually (coughs) share online uh, a little bit later today. But he was uh, sharing with me some pictures of some of the young people there. And. I told him that I would like I would like our synagogue to participate and send some some funds. And so then later in the day, uh I got a phone call from the rabbi there who is in charge of that, Rabbi Na'sim from Beersheba and he and I spoke for a while. Uh, and was telling me kind of um uh, the situation uh not just with the orphanage but also with other families The economy in Israel is really difficult right now. Because of all the COVID stuff and having to be shut down, they're really struggling. It's really, really challenging. And so, uh, you know, needing things for Hanukkah, just food, clothing, maybe even being able to take the kids to museums, all of that is very, very tight. And so whatever we can do to support and be a blessing is uh, wonderful to do. So we actually have... Some of these little shofarot. These little small shofarot that uh Avi uh we we receive from Avi. So these actually come from Avi's factory. These are little small ram's horns. And what we decided to do was everybody who gives a hundred dollars, we will or more, you donate a hundred dollars or more, it's a donation. We will send you this little shofar as a gift. And so you can have it on your little mantle, it's part of your decoration. And uh, have a little gift, a, a shofar that actually comes from Abby's, Abby's shop there in Rishon Zion, uh, just outside of Tel Aviv. And uh, it could be your little gift. So if you'll contact us and donate $100 towards this effort, we will send you this little shofar, and it can be your gift. And uh, we have a limited supply. We don't have a whole, we have, I don't know how many we have, 18 or 20 of them. We, we have a limited supply, but if you'll contact us, then we will send this to you, and you get to have a little shofar, and it's nice. They're very nice. They're natural, and they're made in his shop, so uh, let's do that. Let's give some money, and we can bless some young people, and uh, we can have a part to play in that. Amen. So contact uh, Katura. Call her at the office. And she will uh, arrange to send you the little shofar when you donate $100 or more. You don't have to. You can give more. Uh, So that will be a blessing. Baruch Hashem. All right. So let's look at parashah miketz. Let's look at a couple of insights we did not uh, get to. So life is a test. Everybody has... uh, Struggles. Everybody has trials. Rebitzina and I were talking about an insight that we had read this week, and the insight was, um, basically, don't envy people. And, you know, something that has said before, uh, when she's talked to people about, I wish that that woman was my wife. I wish that that man was my husband. You know, sometimes we look at, at situations like that and we, we <clears throat> the grass is always proverbially greener on the other side of the fence. And so we think, I wish that person, I wish I was married to that person. And the Rebbe said, we should be careful about that <clears throat> because uh, you don't have the grace to be married to that person, uh, you might you might see someone who is perhaps beautiful, whether it's male or female, or they seem to have such a great personality, but they have other struggles that you're not aware of. The reality is, too, is just this: don't we shouldn't envy because everybody has their trials. Everybody has their trials. You know, when I was first, I've been in ministry as, uh, I've been in a shepherding role, a pastoral role, teaching role. Uh, It began, it all began in 1997 for me. And then it kind of developed from there, obviously. But I wasn't, uh, I didn't leave my own congregation until... Uh, really until 2005 and going into 2006. That's where I began, like, a week by week leading a congregation, which is a whole different thing. Uh, in- incidentally, um, <laughs> so, you know, to use a military example, which is, I don't know, I love military stuff. So, but when you're in the when you're in the ranks, and you see the person who's leading, uh, it's real easy to be critical, right? Until you're the one leading, and which happens a lot of times in the military. Like we take turns leading the group, and it's a whole other level. So. When you're leading a community, it's a whole other thing. It's totally different than just being in the community. Trust me. Uh, But anyway, uh, I would lament, and like, why do we have these struggles? We have personality struggles sometimes, or it seems like attendance is up and down and up and down. And uh, you know, we've got this going on or that going on, and we have good times and bad times. And I would just kind of lament, like, what's wrong with us? What's what's what am I doing wrong? What are we doing wrong? Not to say that we there aren't things that we can do better from time to time. That's certainly true, but the the, the reality check was, was: then I became a part of this, and in the city that we were in at the time, I became part of this uh, group of of community leaders that would get together once a month and just just get to know each other, just fellowship. And it was great, and we developed some good friendships out of that. Well, I came to realize everybody has similar struggles. And what was really strange is like when our attendance was down, their attendance was down. And while our attendance was up, their attendance was up. It was just like this phenomenon. And so it, it was a maturity lesson. It was a maturity lesson to realize that everybody, you look around and you say, well, why are they doing so good and I'm doing so bad? It turns out they're not doing so great either. They're having troubles too. And so we all have trials We all have things that test us. And so don't envy somebody because you don't know what they're going through. And like my father often says, um, no matter what is going on in your life and it seems so terrible, there's somebody else who's worse. That's always true. No matter how terrible you think your circumstances are, you need to be grateful. Why? Because there's somebody with even worse situation. So just be thankful, be grateful. So I wrote a note to myself a couple years ago in this commentary that all trials end. All trials will will end. And and when we get to the end of it, if our heart is right, if we've pressed into a shim this too will be for the good. This too will be for the good. We'll be able to look back and say, I'm thankful that that trial happened. Because had I not gone through that, I would not have grown to this level. So we read in this commentary to the beginning of... Uh, um. Uh, PowerShot because I'm sorry my phone was going off here. Let me just do this right here. Excuse me one second. This is an important phone call. <laughs> I want to make sure I I get back to it. Uh, yeah, teaching is live TV. Mm-hmm. All right, there we go. Sorry guys, that's somebody who's trying to. I'm trying to arrange a meeting with a, a rabbi. So we'll see. Uh, sorry about that. Um, I will call them back after the, after the class. So it said, It happened at the end of two years to the day, Ketzam Lechoshek, He sets an end to darkness. With these words from the book of Job, in 3, the, Mid, the Midrash begins its comments on our chapter. Everything, it continues, has an end, including... The trials inflicted on man, and so, in fact, that's what miketz means. It, the, our parsha starts out by saying, "Vayhi miketz shenatayim." Uh, shenatayim, excuse me. At the at the end, at the end of all these trials, this is what happened to Yosef. So it says, Yosef had to suffer in prison, forgotten by everyone. For 12 seemingly interminable years, his situation must have appeared almost hopeless. Right? Only his belief and faith in God could help him bear such a cruel ordeal. Ladies and gentlemen, that sentence I just read is the most important sentence of everything. Here Joseph is suffering... He's gone through a difficult time. He feels totally abandoned. He feels totally alone. Can I get a witness? Anybody ever felt like that? Feel like your situation is hopeless. Anybody ever felt like that? Feel like there's no way out? Doesn't see any way how this can turn around. I mean, let's be honest. Sold into slavery. He gets to Egypt, a total slave. His brothers abandon him. I mean, he's it's terrible. And he gets to be in Potiphar's house. Seems like things are going pretty well. I mean, yeah, he's a slave, but at least he's in charge of everything. And he has a good reputation. And Potiphar likes him. And seems like everything's going well. Then the wife starts to to come on to him. And, you know... It's not and by the way it's not as if Joseph isn't uh tempted he just deals with the temptation he resists right and 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 as a result gains a lot of merit for that but in his and that's another thing in in, in resisting the temptation and doing the right thing doing what's proper you know he made a decision to do the right thing And as a result, seemingly, of his decision to do the right thing, he gets thrown in prison. Falsely accused. Wait a minute. I was doing the right thing. God, you know, in fact, the sages even say that when he was, he was about to give in, he was about to just throw in the towel and say, you know what, this lady's, she's wearing me out. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, i'm just gonna succumb and he saw an image of his father the sages point out and that gave him the the resolve at the last minute to resist so he's thinking all right so god gave me this vision god told me you better not go down that path you better go down this path and, and 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 be you know uh uh, therefore, you know, you be successful, and he's like, "All right, so I did what God wanted me to do. He did want, did not want me to succumb to this woman. Uh, so I did the right thing. I broke a sham, so I should be saved, right? No, what happens next? You get falsely accused and thrown into a into a cell. What? How did this happen? How did doing the right thing end up in this? And so, unbeknownst to Joseph, had he not been falsely accused and thrown into the prison, he would not have interpreted the dreams for the cupbearer, which would have led the cupbearer to say something to Pharaoh, which would have led Joseph to become the viceroy of Egypt. Had he not been falsely accused, none of that would have happened. Now, it's easy for us to read the story and to say, of course, yes, no problem, Joseph, chill out, it's going to be fine, because we see, like God in this case... The end from the beginning. But what if you're Yosef? You don't know when this thing's going to end. You don't know what the outcome is going to be. You are deeply confused. Because in doing the right thing, you have seemingly opened up the portals of hell. Seemingly. What do we do then? What is our way out, if you will? And this sentence, I'm here to tell you, I'm here to testify, testify to you that only his belief and faith in Hashem could help him bear such a cruel ordeal. Ladies and gentlemen, only Bittikon, which, by the way, I remind us all, That this is the point of every trial and every test that we endure. The point and purpose of every one of these trials and tests is to draw us nearer to Hashem. To draw us closer to God. The point of everything we go through is to make us more and more and more and more reliant upon Hashem. That's the only way you're going to survive. And then the the Tahalim, where's my Tahalim? Did I, I think I left him in the sanctuary. My Tahalim, and Tahalim 25 says that anybody who trusts in Hashem will not be put to shame. Do you realize that's a promise from Hashem? Anybody who trusts in Hashem will not be put to to shame, not trust in man; trust in a shim. So it says. But the turning point of destiny is being readied in the silence of the absolute, and it intervenes when the time comes at the right moment for it's the divine plan. Understand that there is a time when your trial will come to an end. There is a time when your testing will will end. Now, I didn't say, I said, let me be clear. Let me, let me be clear. As long as we are alive, we will have trials and tests. There never comes a place in time, ladies and gentlemen, where all the trials and testing will end. That will never happen until you're in the olam However, each trial and test has its end. By the way, something else for you to know, and this is really important because it's quite contrary to what people think. People think, erroneously and to their great detriment, that the higher someone goes on the spiritual ladder, the more impervious they become to temptation, to the Yetzer Hara, to falling or failure. The higher and more spiritual, the more Torah somebody knows, the weaker their Yetzer Hara. I'm here to tell you that the sages of antiquity reminded us that the exact opposite is true. And it's a little bit of an oxymoron or a paradox. On the one hand, Torah, remember Torah and Yeshua are the same, Torah and Hashem are the same. Remember that the the antidote for the Yetzirah is the Torah. However, the sages point out that it's the, the 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 more spiritual we become, the more the the, the stronger our Yetzirahara becomes. There's a cliche that says, "New level, new devil." Ladies and gentlemen, that is a very true cliche. It's likened to a boxers the better boxer and stronger uh fighter that you become you don't get you don't s- s- fight the same opponent the heavyweight boxer gets a heavyweight opponent now the reason this is important it shouldn't scare us because god is our hope he's the one who saves us not ourselves but it is dangerous to think that the more spiritual you become the easier it is for you to overcome the Yetzirah and all the temptations because it sets you up, or can set you up, for failure. Because you think you're spiritual now, you're not going to be tempted in that way, so you let down your guard, Eh, you know, that type of thing. And it sets you up for failure, and and then it sets you up for failure in other ways because you... We lose sight of the fact that we're all human beings. All of us are human beings. And we all have the same struggles and temptations. And we have to be guarded. And by the way, when you guard yourself, this is another thing, just just to touch on this for a minute. People see themselves as guarding themselves from temptation and they say, oh, you must have a weakness with that. It's not a weakness, it's a strength. If you see a man and he's walking down the street and you see him, let's say hypothetically, you see that man and he, you observe that maybe he has noticed a, a female who's obviously not his wife that he finds attractive, which by the way is how things are, you see him hide his eyes as he's walking by, you know, or or purposely look the other way or whatever. You may look at such a man and say, "Wow, what a weak what a weakling." He's he's obviously weak. He's got some kind of he's got some kind of uh uh trouble with uh you know, uh Attraction or seduction, or wow, he you 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 might judge him and say, Wow, what a what a weak guy. Ladies. That's called being a man. Show me a man who doesn't have such a problem. I'll show you a man who has a mental illness. The guy who hides his eyes is the spiritual strong. So Let's take that home and understand that when we take safeguards, it's not a weakness; it's a strength. And ladies, let me tell you something: the Yetzirah will make you think it's a weakness, so that you won't take those measures, so that you'll put your place and you'll put yourself in a situation in which you will be vulnerable. That's what the Yetzirah wants. This is why the sages have fence laws. And a lot of people say, oh, those rascally rabbis and their fence laws, they're so silly. All those fence laws are silly. No, they're not. The reason you put up a fence is so that you don't accidentally fall off the precipice. And the reason that certain halakot are fence laws is so that we don't accidentally sin. And granted, some people take that to an extreme, and that's That's up for discussion in some cases. But fence laws in general are not a problem. The Jewish calendar, it says here, goes on to continue on with this insight. The Jewish calendar is set up so that the Sidra, Miketz, is always read on Hanukkah. By the way, I just want to, it popped in my mind I was reading this, just something I read and I were talking about. The sages bring down, because I just mentioned that, you know, guarding your eyes and having those feelings and so on is, is, is what it means to be a man. And sometimes ladies understand that, and sometimes they don't. And I totally, it's, it's understandable. A lady may or may not understand, but then again, you're not a man. Just like we don't understand stuff that y'all deal with. We totally get it. It's normal. But the sages bring down that when, when Hava was created in the garden, along with her was created seduction. And it's true, isn't it? It's pretty rare to have a female say, I was totally seduced by him. I suppose you can be seduced in others' ways, I suppose. I'm sure that there's instances for that. But it's pretty rare, right? You would agree. Usually it's the other way around. It's not a slot against women at all. You know, it, it just is what it is. Anyway, just a point. It's something we talked about it was very interesting. So the Jewish calendar is set up so that the Sidra, Miketz, is always read on Hanukkah. When the days start to get short and the nights longer, this turning point is in the year is accompanied by the Hanukkah light. So this Sidra, this Parashah, Sidra and Parashah is the same thing, is always read during Hanukkah. That's... An interesting point here, okay. So these Hanukkah lights some are symbolically represent the triumph of light over darkness. Thus, we see a coincidence, which is not at all fortuitous. With the with the motif of the history of Yosef, Ketz Sham Lechoshek, he sets a limit to darkness. The connection here between the cycle of our holidays and the Torah readings on one hand and the yearly cycle of nature on the other, make us aware of the profound harmony between the laws governing the destiny of the Jewish people and those establishing the divine order of creation. So we see here that there's a connection between Hanukkah and the story of Joseph. Hashem sets a limit to darkness. He sets a limit to our trials. And in this case, the limit for the trial of Yosef was now at this time. And we also see that the everything that Yosef went through was all so that he could become the leader of the world. And we talked about yesterday that in his particular instance, the reason his trial was so great and so lengthy and so intense was because... He needed to have that character refinement for the high position he was going to take. A lot of times, ladies and gentlemen, when God is leading us to a very, very, very high position, something that's going to be extraordinary, before that we have to go through a very extraordinarily humbling experience. Because he knows that if we went from point A directly to point B, without a little dip in between, it would destroy us. We talked about that yesterday. And that's what happened to Yosef. I love this this other insight. This comes from the 14th verse of chapter 41. It says, And they rushed him from the dungeon. This is the other thing. When your trial and circumstance ends, uh, it normally ends suddenly. And Rebetzinus, all of our married life, has talked about this. She has always been fond of the suddenlies. Suddenly, things change. Suddenly, there is a transition. It looks like the train is about to run right off the tracks, and then suddenly, it uh, things are repaired. And that was the case here with Yosef. It was very sudden. It says here, When the time for freedom has come, it happens without delay, at the very moment willed by providence. So it was with Yosef, a youth poor but wise, he came forth out of prison in order to rule. This is from Ecclesiastes 4.14. So it was with the exodus from Egypt, which was made in great haste, and so it will be for the coming of the Messiah. Suddenly he will enter his temple, the master whom you have awaited for, the messenger of the covenant, whom you call, your, uh, call with your prayers. This is from Malachi 3, one. So it goes on to say in in, in the, in the Talmud, in Sanhedrin 97a, it says this, and this is such a wonderful thing. It says, Every provincial act which leads to rescuing someone miraculously from the depths of the abyss comes by surprise at the moment when one least expects it. So we see... God is going to, he, he'll surprise you with his salvation. Suddenly it'll come. Suddenly it will manifest. Now, we can't control, we have no control over when the suddenly comes. But what, There's only one thing we can control, really, actually. Aside from doing those things that, we know need to be done. If you know, if, if we need money, we've got to find a job. And uh, if we're trying to work on repairing relationships, we there's things we can do to try to mend those relationships. But generally speaking, there's really we don't really have any control at all, at all, for our Jamaican friends, except one thing, and that is how much we rely upon and draw near to God. And every single day, we should make every effort we can to try to to voice our connection to Hashem and, and understand that only He can control uh, any, everything. We need to ask him and and somehow draw near to him. See, that's the point. As we draw near to him, that's where we will find our success. So the suddenly will come. and, And I persist that really what causes the suddenly to come is, well, let me put it this way. The sooner that we develop a stronger level of Bittukon when we're going through trials, the faster our suddenly will come. Now, that's not to manipulate God, Hasve Shalom, because that would be foolish and frankly wouldn't work. That's only simply to say that our focus should be on drawing near to a shem. And really sincerely focusing on them. And then God will bring them suddenly. And the question becomes, why is that the case, Rabbi? And the answer is because that's the point of the test. End of our Aliyah today. We will come back tomorrow. And I, I want to lead off, God willing, with an insight on the name change that took place. Yosef's name was changed. And so there are some uh, messianic implications there. That I'd like to share with you as well. Remember our giving. Remember the shofar and you can give uh, the hundred dollars or more uh, to the orphanage in Beersheba and we will uh, send you this little shofar horn uh, that comes from Avi's shop. We'll send it to you as a todah rabah, as a thank you very much. And you have a little piece of Israel, a horn that Avi's uh, factory uh, made and, uh, you know, like we know Avi, he was here on the on the program. Uh, he actually Avi travels to South Africa and different places in Africa and 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 uh, purchases these raw, and then he does the rest. So it's kind of neat, right? We have we know the person who does that. So anyway, you can have that. Uh, just call the office, talk to Keturah; she'll make that happen. Let's try to do that during Hanukkah. So we can uh, donate to this. That would be fantastic. We'll look forward to seeing everybody uh, tomorrow, God willing, for the fourth Aliyah. Tonight is the third candle lighting of the holiday. So that's going to be fun. So God bless all of you. Shalom Aleichem. We'll look forward to seeing you. Probably see you tonight. I, I, there's a 99.9% chance we will see you tonight somewhere mysterious to light the Hanukkah. So Shalom Aleichem. we look, look forward to seeing you then. Hag Sameach.